Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn, joined, as always, by co-host Ryan Donnelly. We're here for an unlocked premium this week. Usually this episode would only go to subscribers of meetatmidfield.com, but this week we're celebrating our dear friend Cheese's birthday with an unlocked premium episode. Ryan, how's it going? It's good, dude. I'm feeling cheesier than ever. What if I just started doing unironic, uh, I'm feeling cheesy coach kind of bit <laughs> since 2023? I think uh-huh. that'd be good. We're bringing it back. Um, yeah. And we yeah. are, yeah, we, we were recently sponsored by Cheetos. And so we're sort of, it's, yeah. a, it's a good and That's also, tie-in. that's definitely who that commercial was for. Was too. it that's not that? Is it, it's, no. it's, what is it, Cheez-Its, right? <laughs> Cheez-Its, that's right. What, is, should, what is the Cheetos actually, one? He's dangerously cheesy or something? That seems that right. seems more. That seems like it's it's more cheesy than the, I, I, the I believe because the Cheez-It, you remember the Cheez-Its bowl is a, is a bowl in college football. It's it was. It's been uh, it's been killed, right? It has been replaced by the, the Pop-Tarts bowl or something, which everybody Oh, yeah, good call. I don't think commercial is going to be gone now. God, I hope um, so. Boy, I've seen enough of that commercial, I think. <laughs> yeah, we should, I think there's got to be some podcast that they're doing some horrible... Uh, what are the best college football commercials thing? And they're just ranking the Dr. Pepper Fansville ones, number yeah. one. Well, welcome back uh, to the Andy Stable show. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, where's he working now? I saw he quit. What, is, does he have a job? What's he doing? I'm sure that he's uh, going to get hired by one of those horrible betting companies. I, I, I've noticed this, and this is never good. I don't ever want to notice a company online. It, that's a sign that you're you're not doing things the right way. I have noticed the adverti- the the gambling companies advertising more frequently recently because they're all in the replies of every sports tweet making like the worst posts you've ever seen in your entire life. Yeah. Uh, we got to get those guys out of here. Too much. Too much of those guys. No more mm. bad MGM. No more. No, none of that shit. We got to make it illegal again. It's bad. Bad news. And that's right. And if they listen to this podcast, we actually are just joking. Because <laughs> if you want to pay us more. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we you, do have we do have a price, and we can be bought. Yeah, use the code uh, just joking for twenty five percent off your first bet at uh, betdipshit.com or whatever they're called. Yeah, dot dot ngo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll talk about this privately, but I'm sure there's a number they could offer us. We'd say yes to. I, Ten, I'm sure Ten dollars. I will summer. take ten dollars to spawn. <laughs> That's enough for me. I can buy, you know, a, pa- a pack of soda or something. That's all I really need. I'm, hmm. I'm not hard to buy. All right. Well, that's, I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah, we'll talk about this off the air. Uh, anyway, uh, you know what you should subscribe to? You should spend your money on is meet at midfield.com uh, where there are good posts. There's no, there's definitely no stupid betting posts about the season. No. Um, we don't do any bullshit like that. It's just raw, uncut, insane fan behavior. All uh, Really 12 months a year, yeah. 365. Um, it's fully college football season for us, right? Like, we're still watching the NBA finals. Uh, uh, I don't really give a fuck about baseball. I don't think you do either. No. Uh, you know, I mean, the NHL, uh, when, when the Penguins aren't playing, I couldn't give less of a fuck. Yeah. So to me, it is college football season. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, official I'll, visits have started. We're I'll, in it. Yeah. I'll tell you, I haven't watched a live sport since the, uh, the NCAA basketball championship. Just no, no thanks. I'm good. I don't actually need to watch any of them. And I haven't. Um, so yeah, it is college football season once again here at meetatmidfield.com and, yeah. uh, you should go sign up. They've got, uh, you get the premium podcasts of this episode as well as of her, of this podcast, 
as well as of High Street Freaks, which is yours and uh, Kevin's Ohio State show, uh, which I, mm-hmm. I've not checked in on recently. I'm sure everything's going really well there. I'm sure that everything is, is uh, just peachy. Uh, we are getting, actually, I, I joke, we are getting to the time of year where you guys talk yourselves into Ohio State winning the national championship. So are we about there in this in the offseason? Well, look, we're, we're going to talk about Ohio State in a few minutes. You don't have to get me to do more right now. But, uh-huh. I mean, if you want to hear all of my deranged thoughts all times of the year in Ohio State, definitely go listen to High Street Freaks uh we we have a fun time on there man we we have fun with it it's yeah. uh it's good to get into it i think we do a lot about um you know i don't know it's yeah like you said i'm fucking miserable right like i hate i hate the coaches <laughs> <laughs> i hate the coaches the coach of my favorite team i don't want them to be there uh but they they have a good enough players this year that they can't possibly fuck it up unless they do, in which case they should be fired and they're not going to be. Yeah. So I'm just going to be doing the same thing next off season. So really come by any point in time, no rush. It's going to be the same for the next year. Don't worry about it. Yeah. We've just um, passed the time of the off season <laughs> where every off season, we just remember Braxton Miller. That's like an annual thing for Ohio state. People is remembering Braxton Miller yeah. in like June. And I think you guys just, uh, just did that, which is always good. Uh, well, that's what Pride Month is about. It's yeah. about having pride for Huber Heights. Uh, Wayne. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but uh, you also get uh, you get the posts. You get the mini posts. I just put up two Mountain West preview posts that will correspond to the podcast that's coming later this week. Uh, that was delayed because of CenturyLink. And if you have any complaints, you should send them along to CenturyLink. It will take three hours for them to get you through to talk to somebody, but eventually you can tell them that you're mad at them because your podcast was delayed. Um, that one is not my bad. You also get access, of course, to the Meet at Midfield fan board, which has a, a pretty strong tie-in for the episode that we're doing here today, Ryan. What are we, uh, what are we doing and what can you get over at that board? Yeah, dude. Uh, I mean, it's the best. Uh, look, I've spent a lot of time on message boards. I still do. I am. I read message boards far too frequently to be a, a gainfully employed man. It's it's, pretty, it's, a, pretty it's an absurd amount. It's like it, it's a. I don't think people realize just how often you are posting on message boards. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I spend a lot of time on message boards, and it's okay. I've been doing this since I was like twelve years old. It's kind of just my favorite thing to do. Um, I like really got into like, you know, puberty and message boards at the same time, <laughs> which had something weird happen in my brain. I don't really want to get into it. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, it's the I, I spent a lot of time on them, uh, not just sports, a lot of different boards. Uh, Patrick, you actually invited me to Stormfront, but I was unavailable to join. Yeah, you were on the um, you were posting on the puberty boards. You were talking to everybody about, you know, new experiences that they're having with their body. And that was weird that you were doing that as like a 25 year old man. But um, <laughs> it's good to have the experienced voice on there. And I'm glad that you have kind of uh, you've moved on into an even a higher position on that board in recent yeah. years. The- they're calling me Subway underscore Ryan. Yeah, they are. Um, they are. And for a lot of reasons, actually. It's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, no, I don't know. It's the best message board in college football, dude, comfortably. Like, it's it's so fun on there. I think, like, just the average, like, intelligence level of a fan, the average, like, banter level of the discourse. Uh, people are funny. People are smart. They're informed fans. We have good conversation, not just about Ohio State, obviously, the entire country. Um, and we were talking about Clemson recruiting this week. We we're talking about Georgia's wide receiver room. We were talking about Alabama's offensive line. Like, you know, you're talking about UTSA set up and why like one of the top players transferred and what to expect at the G5 this year. Um, analysis of the transfer portal across the country, all kinds of stuff like that that impacts teams in every conference, every level. Um, anyone who's going to factor into the to the bowl picture, the NY6 picture, the playoff picture, uh, the conference title race, that is all important to us. So we are on it every single Week of the year really does not stop. Uh, it's a great fan community. It's a great place to be. Me and you are writing about it. Kevin Harris is writing about it. 
Uh, we have uh, Taylor writing about it on there. Uh, you know, we are, we're posting consistently on the boards about it. The fans are contributing more. It's a good time. You guys should come join. It's cheap. We're going to put a discount code out here this week for, for some preseason stuff, signing up to kind of get you going. Uh, it's a good time. I mean, come jump in. Uh, it's a great time to be with us. And I think we're going to like it a lot. And, um, besides that, man, I think we are ready to get into the top 25, which is uh fan vote contributed as well. Uh-huh. Uh, we averaged out, uh, my vote, your vote and the meet at midfield board fan vote um, to get our preseason top 25, the too early version. We're going to have an official version uh, on the website, I think probably closer to August. This is the too early top 25 before fall camp kind of gets here. Uh, Post-spring, post-transfer portal, we'll take a look at the rosters being settled before kind of all the position battles are. We at least know who's going to be in the two, right? Most places. Yeah. Um, so have a good good look at this. We're going to kind of get into it here. Um, our game plan is to put two minutes on the board for uh for every team do a rundown and go from uh from first to first to last in the top 25 and uh, and just kind of run through these teams here so yeah. i don't know do you have anything you want to add before we get started no i i uh just shout out to uh to kaminsky over on the boards who puts together these uh the, yes. the board top 25 does a great job with it and, and passed along his uh his data to us he is our, our our voting aficionado. He's a big fan of voting of all forms, as are we. I know you and I. We both we're voting all the time. We're voting on everything we could possibly vote on, um, and always for the right things, and never for the things that are bad or, or uh, that would get us in trouble. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do this. Let's let's jump right in. Put two minutes on the board, and we'll start here. Uh, in the in the first tier, we're going to go one through twenty five. We're going to start with the best. So number one is of course Georgia. I don't think there's any. Real debate about this at this point. They have 75 points, uh, which means that they were first in all three of the polls. Consensus number one, back-to-back national champions. I mean, they're, they're Georgia. There's not that much to really say about them. The defense should be excellent. Again, the, the question is really, you know, on the other side of the ball, in replacing not only several key players, namely Stetson Bennett, but also a coordinator with Todd Munkin's departure being replaced, of course, by Mike Bobo, which is not a hire that I think you, the, you or I are especially high on. Um, I, I don't know what else there is to say about Georgia. It's just that the defense is so dominant that it's hard to pick against them and that the talent level is so high that it's hard to pick against them, even with some flaws on that offense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like you said, I mean, that is the big question, Mark, is is where is the drop-off coming? You know, they lose three or four of their top five or six guys in that front seven. Um, they lose their offensive coordinator. They are replacing uh, one of their biggest, or, you know, one of their biggest blocking weapons, Darnell Washington. They're facing replacing both of the tackles. I think running back takes a step back. Uh, I think the secondary takes a step back. But the question is, like, that same thing happened last year, right? And they still overcame it because their talent level and kind of what they're filling up here. I think the... Uh, I think the coaching, the coaching question is the biggest one, right? How does Bobo step up? Um, how do they also, how does their blocking hold up with these tackles? Uh, these tackles and these, you know, kind of the, the placements there. I'm just curious what the running game looks like, uh, how the receiver room handles the incoming transfers from Dominic Lovett and Ra Ra Thomas, um, so on and so forth, right? I, I don't know. I, I'm curious. George obviously is trying his talent. I think they are clearly getting a clear step back towards the pack this year and are more vulnerable, vulnerable they've been in a while. Yeah, which is saying something because I think that they were also more vulnerable in 2022-23 than they were the the year prior, right? This is this is another copy of a copy now where you are starting to take maybe a little bit of a step back, but they still won the championship last year and they won by like 60 points in the national championship game. Um so it's it, it is what it is. It's it's like I said pretty hard to 
pick against these guys. Um, anything else on Georgia here before we move on to number two? No, we are on two-minute mark so far, kind of. Uh, we're good to go. So far. All right. Number two <laughs> is Michigan. Uh, back after a playoff appearance last season, back-to-back playoff appearances for Michigan. Um, here they are. Uh, they are not a consensus two, but they were among this same core group of top five that we're going to get to here that existed in all three polls. Um, they bring back a huge chunk of last year's team. Obviously, J.J. McCarthy is back, who we have talked about ad nauseum. Um, they bring back, mm. uh, what, two of the top 10 running backs in America, right? That was how you, you ranked them in blank cor- uh, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. Those are two of the top 10 running backs in the country, basically. Two of the top seven, in fact, on my list. Seven. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, the running game is excellent. Had, like, defense is excellent. I think you know the story with Michigan as well. Yeah, of course. You know exactly who they are, right? I mean, there are some question marks here. Like they do, they did lose uh, uh, some contributors. I think the, the the already pretty dismal passing game has to replace even more of their contributors, but it didn't matter last year, right? They were able to play man ball, run the football, set up simple play action throws for an inaccurate quarterback, but one who at least hits stuff on the rollout. Um, they uh, had a very strong defense like the front seven. They do have to replace Mozzie Smith and, and their top edge rusher as well. I'm curious to kind of see how Mason Graham and the other young guys step up there. Um, the transfer, uh, Josiah Stewart from Coastal Carolina is going to be a big piece for that. Um, there are some concerns, I believe, about their cornerbacks, uh, or sorry, their defensive backs broadly outside of Will Johnson, uh, who is fantastic. But they have some pieces to replace. Um, they had a lot of guys draft the last couple of years, and they have frankly not recruited as well as their top powers. And, you know, Michigan has done a great job developing, but at a certain point in time, recruiting does matter. And when you lose, I don't know, what is it? I think they lost 20 something draft picks for the last two seasons. Replacing those guys is harder when you have less talent to do so than your peers. So I do think there's a possibility for a fall off, but I don't think it happens this year. Yeah, um, I think Michigan's in a pretty good spot. Well, and you want to know what the good news is too, is when you're breaking in young players, it certainly helps to not play a single game until November 11th. They don't have to play anybody God, until they go to Penn State on November 11th. Um, and then they get another week off when they go to Maryland and then they play Ohio State at home. That's their whole season. They have two games and they're both in November. Um, I don't think we're going to know a single thing about Michigan until then. Uh, but they sit here at number two. Number three, staying in the rivalry, staying uh, right in that region, it's Ohio State, uh, which has to replace, obviously, C.J. Stroud is the big name to know, quite a few other guys departing as well. But they bring back the best receiver in America and also another top five receiver probably in Emeka Ibuka, uh to go with Marvin Harrison Jr., they have all the talent in the world. Um, it is just really a matter of putting it all together, especially on defense, which has been sort of the the Achilles heel for Ryan Day, as well as his own sort of ability or lack thereof as a as a football coach, which we have talked about plenty. I won't take up too much more time here. Ryan, how are you feeling with Ohio State at number three? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's... It's a team that I think on paper should be improved from last year's team, despite losing CJ Stroud, Jackson Jigba, and a few others. I mean, the offensive tackles are a big question here. Uh, that's the biggest thing, right? Of course, it's a, it's a team designer on this passing offense. Uh, if they cannot keep the quarterback clean, that's going to be a huge problem uh, because they have not shown much flexibility in offense, despite being excellent. Um, running back room is loaded. Wide receiver room is the best in the country. I think they have the two best receivers in America. Uh, I think they have... Uh, a good quarterback situation. They are uh, the defense is is experienced for the most part. It's talented. They have a couple of five stars coming into the roster. A couple of freshmen all American add to the team via transfer. Like there are some guys in this team that should improve what they had last year. Uh, the question is, does anyone actually think that will happen? Based on Ryan Day's complete refusal to change or improve the coaching staff, um, and I think that's it's just the ultimate question. Like they have the talent, no question about it. It's just a matter of can Ryan Day actually manage a program and get it a step up. 
as opposed to just maintaining the level. I don't know the answer. Um, you can guess by my tone, I'm not very optimistic, but they're going to be right there again. I think they're clear cut ahead of the rest of the competition. It's a one game season for them, just like it is for Michigan. Uh, let's see what happens. Yep. Number four, going to the SEC again, now in the SEC West is LSU, um, which has made a big jump this season after uh, what? coming second in the conference last year, winning the West last year in, in Brian Kelly's yep. first season at the helm. 10 win season. Um, yeah. yeah. Pretty impressive debut. And it looks like they're going to build on it because they bring back a big chunk of that team, including of course, Jaden Daniels at, at quarterback, but also Malik neighbors who we both hate. I think it's, <laughs> it's been my, my, uh, I think my you hate him more than I do. I think I'm lower <laughs> on him in the industry consensus, but I, I, I think he's still pretty deep. I think he's a top six or seven receiver yeah. in the country. Yeah, they do have Josh Williams at halfback, who we both love. Just a, a mean little guy. Yes, um, and mean then, little fucker. Yeah, yeah. And, and then the defense is is solid, too. Harold Perkins obviously leads the way, but they added some big-time transfers. They added a lot of talent. They have built the way that I think you would want them to uh, in, in the modern era for LSU, and, and this yes. is a team that you and I are both really excited about. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. The defensive back uh, additions they've made here over the past couple seasons have been very transfer heavy. Uh, it's bizarre for LSU, but they have not really been recruiting the defensive backs when they're supposed to. That um, longtime coach, I'm forgetting his name right now, Corey something, who was there forever. Yeah, Corey Raymond, of Florida. Thank you, thank you, Corey Raymond. Yep. Um, they his departure, they've not really recruited defensive back the same way, uh, and they have seen some kind of depth problems from that. But the guys they brought in via transfer are pretty pretty outstanding. I think they brought in three former top fifty recruits, another former uh, former freshman All American, uh, all all ACC player, and Deuce Chestnut to play there. I think Denver Harris, Deuce Chestnut, started quarterback and kind of fixed that problem. Front seven is nasty, like you said. Running back room is often injured, but uh, but frequently you know pretty talented. Um, Jane Daniels has to improve. I think this team goes as he goes. He's a great running quarterback. He needs to improve as a passer. He showed some flashes. It was not consistent enough. Uh, if he can get them, you know, eight yards an attempt, they're going to be just fine and yep. contend for a national title. Yeah. Uh, but they do have a huge fucking game to get on to our next team with number five here. Opening weekend, Sunday night of Labor Day weekend against Florida State, our number five team. That is an opening weekend top five matchup. That's going to be huge. Two teams out of the lobby, the transfer portal. Uh, Pat, Florida State, absolutely stacked, right? Yep. I mean, these guys obviously have have, uh, have Jordan Travis going back quarterback, have Johnny Wilson around him, added Keon Coleman. They brought in two uh, FCS All-Americans at tight end. They have a running back room at stack led by Trey Benson, another top 10 back in the country. Offensive line, I think, is nearly all back. They brought in a, a transfer in Jeremiah Byers from UTEP. Uh, defense has uh, Jared Verse back. A lot of other guys joined that team. Um, French Alcipe is the big name from Virginia, but a <clears throat> pretty, pretty stacked room on defense. What are your thoughts on Florida State as number five? Yeah, they're kind of a weird like mirror of LSU, right? These these programs feel very similar. They feel like they're in very similar places right now, which makes it interesting, especially that they're playing in week one, not just for the quality of the game itself, but for the fact that, like, I don't know, it feels like they're doing pretty similar things, not necessarily in, in scheme, but in the way that they're building their programs and in the the time that they're kind of arriving the 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 you know the timeline that they're both on uh Florida State has a not exactly the same quarterback as Jaden Daniels but Jordan Travis is definitely not like I would not draft him <laughs> you know like I, I don't think yeah. he's, I don't think he's that kind of guy 
but he's a playmaker. He's somebody who is... He's, he's panhandle Cam Rising. Yeah, he is obviously a very, very capable college quarterback. He's somebody who's done it for several years now. He has those very strong receivers, like you mentioned. Um, and I love this defense. I, I really like what they have done all over the place. I love Mike Norvell's offense. Um, I think these guys are great, too. I, I am a little worried about both LSU and Florida State being teams that you and I are too high on because we do this every year where we just pick out like yeah, a, we couple a, of, thing. a couple of somewhat new faces that we decide are top five teams. But it seems like this is pretty much an industry consensus. And so it's not just yeah. us. This is it, it's everybody's pretty I don't high think any, anyone ha- no one I've seen has them outside of the top 10, which is nice to see. But yeah, I mean. They do have a brutal fucking schedule. I remember correctly. I mean, they play LSU, obviously, but they and they also get Clemson on the road, yeah, uh, which is not great. Uh, yeah, Clemson on the road. They get uh, who else? They have here. They play Miami at home, Florida on the road, Pitt on the road. Some tricky games there. I mean, I think they're going to probably be fine, but it's some tricky games. But um, yeah, moving on to number six here, our second tier uh, starts with your favorite team, uh, USC. Patrick, why don't you go ahead and tell us a bit about uh, Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, your, your favorite guys. See, it's really funny because I have them ahead of you. My, I have them sixth, you have them eighth. And so like the... Because the... I'm a principled hater and you're, <laughs> yeah. you're more of a reactive hater. Yeah, I'm, I'm principled in that I don't want Penn State or Alabama to be ahead of anybody. That's basically where I came down on it. Um, and we do actually have we have a uh, we have a couple questions from the board that we can kind of tie into a couple teams. And there's one here that is related to USC that I'd like to say um, from Uptown Buckeye. With such a wide open race, do you kind of wish it was a 12 team playoff year this year, or are you excited to see how Lincoln goes over with Caleb uh, with Caleb Williams in making the playoff? Um, yes, I am excited to see that. It is going to be funny. I don't think that USC is going to make the playoff because of. Uh, basically the same reasons that they haven't, uh, that Lincoln Riley, you know, hasn't in general throughout his career, which is that he does not have a defense. They never have a defense that's not going to change this year. There's no reason to really be optimistic about this Alex Grinch defense. Um, but I do also wish that this was a 12-team playoff year because as we will get into going down this list, um, there are a lot of really interesting teams in like the 6 to 17-ish range that it would be really fun to see compete for the playoff, whereas I, I think a lot of these teams are probably too limited to seriously compete for a four-team playoff. USC obviously has the benefit of the, the incumbent Heisman, Heisman winner in Caleb Williams, but also um, I think he kind of stinks. <laughs> I think he's kind of not very good. I have established this point many times on the podcast. Um, I, I just, I don't know. They're USC. They're talented enough. Their offense is, is, you know, plug and play. It will continue to be the best in America, basically. But this defense makes me think that they're pretty clearly a step below, like that top that top five of serious contenders. I mean, look, if you have Alex Grinch, you're not going to make it, brother. That's that's all it comes down to. You're not yeah. going to make it, Alex Grinch. Uh, <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. They're not going to win because of that. I just simply don't trust them. And also this Pac-12, we're going to reel off about four more Pac-12 teams in the next uh, the next 10 spots here. So yeah. uh, it's they're, it's going to finish 10-2 and two and probably be in the league title game, but they're not going to win it. They're not going to win the playoff. Yeah. Um, number seven, Alabama, a team we, uh, we just simply, I think, don't trust anymore. Uh, I was listening to a pretty good podcast from Alabama a writer today from 247. I forget his name. But basically the concept was like, if you took this year's team against last Alabama team, last year's team would be favored. And last year's team wasn't that good, right? Like they might get a little better at receiver this year. Take a big step back at quarterback. I think take a huge step back at running back. Yeah. Offensive line is going to be better than they were probably just by experience, but has some kind of key pieces missing. Um, the defense... 
I don't know. I don't, I don't see anything there. Like you have Cooley McKinstry, you have Dallas Turner, but like, what's the rest of this team? They lose Jordan Battle. They lose Will, Tar- uh, Will Anderson. Uh, a lot of guys gone from this team, no dominant uh, defensive linemen. It's hard to see what the vision is of the Alabama team and how they kind of were, it would be able to beat uh, your Georgia's, your LSU's, maybe your Tennessee's. Tennessee had a better squad this year. Like I, I just don't yeah. see it from Alabama. They seem very vulnerable to me. Uh, what's your take here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it basically comes down to they lost two top three picks from a team that already wasn't all that good to begin with. Like the talent level there is such that they're never going to, I don't think, drop below somewhere like seventh or, or out of the top ten. But, like, I don't know. Do you trust any of these quarterbacks? I don't. And I certainly don't trust Tommy Reese. I don't think Tommy Reese is going to be the guy who unlocks Jalen Milrow, right? Like, it's just, it seems like kind of more of the same here. And the same these last couple years at Alabama has not really been good enough. They've not been very creative. They've sort of lacked that edge that they used to have. It, It just doesn't, it doesn't feel like they're really headed in the right direction here. We've talked about this plenty before. They have all the talent in the world, just like, you know, teams like Ohio State and and Georgia do, but it feels like they're somehow doing the least with it right now in a group that includes Ohio State. That's hard to do. It's hard to out, you know, out, you know, uh, underperform what Ohio State is They've out-cokered Ryan Day, basically. Yeah, and there is always, of course, the chance that Nick Saban just, you know, wins a championship again because he does that a lot, especially with new quarterbacks. That's like usually when he does it is years like this. But yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, it feels like it would take some serious finagling for this team to get there. Patrick, we're going to make up some time on Penn State because they're a quick one here. Yeah. Uh, Drew Aller is really exciting. Passer, you know, pocket passer, five-star quarterback from Ohio. Uh, they have a sick running back room. Defense should be pretty solid. There's some big pieces from the draft last year, particularly Jair Brown, Joey Porter Jr. Uh, offensive line is the best it's been at Penn State in the James Franklin era. Defensive front, I don't know. We'll see. I'm not convinced their defense yet. If their defense kind of ends at the usual Penn State level, this is a solid top 10 team that goes 10 and 2 and probably plays for a Rose Bowl or maybe even a playoff game if they catch one of the big two teams. Um, they are just hard to trust with James Franklin. I just don't ever believe in him as a guy. Yeah. Uh, he is a Lincoln Riley with with like less success or with, at least with harder competition against him. Um, Penn State, very good team, though. Very good roster. Running backs are absolutely filthy. Offensive lines better than it's been. Uh, there's some potential here. I just don't see them as a real playoff contender. How do you feel? Yeah, I, I think this is basically like a a you know pretty good less miles LSU team where yeah they're they're going to be pretty sick. They have good players. They have a lot of really good players. Unfortunately, they're in a division with Ohio State and Michigan. And so, what are you going to do? Are they going to beat those guys? I don't think so. Maybe they get one, but I don't think they're going to beat both of them. And I think they probably drop a game somewhere else because they have a brand new starting quarterback who as talented as he is, is also kind of crazy, right? Like that's sort of the book on Drew Aller is that he's a little bit crazy. Um, And so I think that Penn State's probably going to be about a top 10 team, and that's probably the ceiling and the floor because of what is around them in the division. It's hard to get too excited about them because they're going to lose those games. They just, that's what they do. It's hard to, it's hard to do. It's hard to beat those teams. Ohio State and Michigan are really good. They're in the playoff consistently and Penn State isn't because of them um number nine moving out to the Pac-12 Washington this is a team that I like quite a bit of course Michael Penix is back at quarterback they have a very very good receiver in is it Roma Adunze Adunze is that Rome Rome Adunze Rome Adunze with also uh Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk are the other three receivers there yeah uh super super impressive group um, pretty good offensive line. They do lose three starters in the middle, but they replace a bunch of 56 year guys there. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty veteran group overall. 
Um, running back uh, with Cam Davis, I think just fine. Just a guy there, yeah. right? Um, defense, they added some pieces. It should be a pretty solid defense. That front seven looks a lot better than it has in a long time. DeBoer was pretty aggressive at who he added there. So I don't know. I mean, the secondary, basically the cornerbacks hold up. Washington is going to be able to win the Pac-12, in my opinion. I think they are the most talented team uh, with an explosive offense and a good enough defense and a line that kind of carries them they want to go. Yeah, and and Kalen DeVore as well is just a guy who this is a, a an archetype of coach that has existed for a long time and exists in several places, but he is just a guy who always seems to have an answer for whatever the problem is with his team or for whatever problem a, an opponent presents. Um, I did not I did not realize this. So in in eight years as a head coach, do you know his record? This is across you know no, Washington, but also Fresno State, and then sometimes at a lower level, he's ninety and eleven. <laughs> good god that's pretty good jesus that's pretty good um he's awesome i think that this team is really good i'm i'm also just as an aside it's nice to see washington in the top 10 again i like this program i like where they're headed yeah for sure big time uh stay in the pack 12 here for this one and the next one we have utah at number 10 getting to the start of tier three here um kind of a cut below in my opinion uh washington and usc but a very very good football team um they they do have some some interesting players here uh, obviously cam rising is the big name um not clear if he's gonna be back in time for the season with his uh his acl tear at the rose bowl um they're hoping to get him ready for the august 31st opener but it's unclear if he'll be limited or anything like that um they are in a, an interesting spot i mean they have they have brant uh how do you say his last name brant is it keithy what is it brant keithy Ke- yeah brant keithy. keithy yep brant keithy's back um Jaquin and Jackson at running back kind of seems like he's taking momentum there, but the defense has a lot of guys they were losing, right? Uh, Clark Phillips, the big name. Uh, they also lost uh, Clayton Isbell at the transfer portal. Um, it, it's kind of unclear who's going to play back there. I think Cole Bishop and Sion Vaki are going to play in the defense. Miles Battle probably has a spot, but I think probably a step back on defense, in my opinion. Um, but this is a team that's won the Pac-12 twice in a row. They always get better as the year goes on. They have maybe the best coaching staff in, in the Pac-12. Um, just a solid football team you need to get better, right? Yeah, and this is setting up so perfectly for an early season you know, loss or two that they then rebound from and, and get into dominant form by the end of the year because you look in just the first couple weeks of the season, they get Florida at Baylor, UCLA at home, and at Oregon State in their first five games with Weber State as the only real break among that group. Um, they're going to lose one or two of those games. They just will. Uh, and then I think they will you know, transform into the Utah that they always seem to turn into by the time that they go to USC at the end of October or Washington at the at the beginning of November I think is going to be a very different team and a very hard team to beat because of how just nasty they are I mean they're just nasty every year and they keep doing this I don't think there's any reason to expect anything else and that's roughly a top 10 team um, number 11 staying in the Pac-12 and actually tied with 44 points with Utah is Oregon um, which I, I think you like more than I do Um uh, we had them ranked at the same place. We have them both at 11th, but that's more mm. a product <laughs> Just of... Just Cassius uh, versions for no yeah, reason. Well, you like Bo Nix more than I do. That's that's fair. Yeah, I can say true. that comfortably. I think, like I, <laughs> I think Bo Nix is comfortably a top five quarterback in college football. Uh, Troy Franklin is fine at wide receiver. I think I mean, he's, a, he's a top 10 wide receiver in college football, but I guess I just don't like his vibes. He kind of pisses me off the way he plays. Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. He just kind of annoys me. Yeah. But I think they have um, a good coaching staff broadly. I think Dan Lanning is kind of building this defense the right way. They they haven't really developed the individual players there for the draft like to see besides Christian Gonzalez. But they seem to have some talent there. Uh, I think Bo Nix is, is a hell of a quarterback. He's going to have some targets to throw to. 
Uh, the running back room is stacked. Uh, Bucky Irving's the lead guy there, but they have a couple other players. Um, it's going to be a huge offense. If the defense kind of follows the trend line Dan Lanning's have historically, uh, they're going to be in the mix of the Pac-12 title, which is, I mean, again, one of like five or six teams I think that of. So they're in there. Um, how about we get on to number 12, Clemson, so we make up some time here. Yeah, uh, so Clemson. Unless Cle- you have some thoughts. Yeah. No, no, I, I think no, I think that that's fair. Clemson checking in here at number 12, um, kind of the same story. Basically just waiting to see what Garrett Riley does with this offense, if he does anything with it. He has, of course, an incumbent quarterback, not necessarily a true incumbent, but he was, you know, he's long been talked about as the guy in, in Cade Klubnik, and, and he will get the chance to show that this year. Um, unfortunately, they have no receivers, no offensive linemen, and no talent outside of Will Shipley, but that has, I mean, what's <laughs> <laughs> What's different about Clemson? That sounds pretty much like what they have been doing. Um, defense probably takes yeah. a step back as well because they lose some talent on the defensive line, though they have rebuilt their better than you might expect. Um, I don't know. They're, yeah, I mean, Barrett Carter and Jeremiah Trotter are a nasty duo. But, yeah. Um, I mean, defensive line, they 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 still have Xavier Thomas and Tyler Davis, but there's not like a – there's not a Brian Brzee, right? There's not yeah. a – even I, a KJ Henry, I think, on this group. Yeah. I have a take, too. I don't know if this is a common take. I think that Xavier Thomas is absolutely – just stone-cold loser. I have no interest in that kid. None. I, I think that guy sucks. <laughs> I think he sucks out loud. I think he's horrible. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, okay, fine. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think this whole team just, like, they're fucking annoying, right? But they're yeah. they're still back. I don't know if you saw today, Clemson had a huge momentum win for kind of their whole thing, which is they landed a white linebacker who has a mullet and also posted <laughs> a, a a picture with a Confederate state flag, which yeah. is Georgia's. Yeah. Um, that's a big win for Damo's whole thing. You don't yeah. think he's riding high off that. Um, bringing in Garrett Riley also probably probably helps a bit here. I don't know. Like if Garrett Riley gets his offense back to being like, you know, top 20 again, then they're a playoff contender. They could beat Florida State if they don't. And they're second, you know, they're runner up in the ACC and won't play even for a conference title. So, yeah, um, I don't know. That's the question, right? That's the only question. Yeah. Shocking, honestly, that he didn't hire Kendall Bryles, given his his uh, proclivities. I can't believe he, he passed up that opportunity, but um, maybe next time. Number 13 here is Tennessee, uh, which does not have its quarterback from last season, which I think is going to cause some issues, does not have Hendon Hooker. It does have Joe yeah, Milton. Kind of their whole, when you're, when you're yeah. the quarterback team, kind of tough to not have your quarterback. Yeah, it does have Joe Milton, who everyone is uh, talking themselves into over this offseason. I'm not doing that. I've seen Joe Milton play football. I don't think I need to pretend that he is something he's not. Um, but they have a whole bunch of talent elsewhere, basically, is is the appeal, is that you're you're – uh, that seems to be what people were doing is that they're plugging him in, assuming that he can benefit from the same very easy offense that other Josh Heupel quarterbacks have benefited from, which might be the case. I mean, he certainly does not ask a lot of his quarterbacks, um, but they're, they're, it seems like the general theme is banking on the talent that is around him, you know, uh, clicking into place and helping him along, despite the fact that he cannot throw the football to the place that he wants to throw it to because he doesn't have control over his arm like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. He, he looked pretty good in that, in that, uh, that orange bowl game. Right. But I mean, that's just such a small sample size to actually, to actually see. And I think he's just Anthony Richards. He's just the same guy again. Right. He's like a freak athlete. Like they're doing the same things. Even like he was, he was doing the, um, 
the hit the crossbar from 70 yards away throw like yeah. Richardson did. He just did that like a couple weeks ago. He did the standing backflip thing. Like they're making him do all of the same viral videos that Richardson did. It's the same guy. Yeah. He's ever, whoever his agent is basically watched Anthony Richardson, like, you know, build up last season. It's like, Oh, we can do that. That's easy. He doesn't have to play football. Well, yeah. Uh, and just is doing the same thing again, dude. It's, I don't fucking, know. Like, I, I know we've talked about this before. It's fucking crazy that his dog shit performance didn't impact him at all. Nobody even cared that Anthony Richardson sucked. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. It's complete nonsense. <laughs> he was I don't fucking really horrible. Understand. He was awful. Nobody cares. It doesn't cared. make any sense. Oh my god. It's, it's yeah. It's, it's yeah. cool, and it's cool that Joe Milton can do the same thing. It's just a. It's a. I'm very happy simple, for him. <laughs> yeah, very simple PR plan that seems to work every time. Wow. wow. Watch as Joe Milton does a backflip and then jingles some keys for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I will say here really quick. Um, I don't know. I think they did pretty well in their defense in the transfer portal. I think I think they had some pretty good guys here. Um, they have some good pass rushers coming back. They have uh, Tyler Barron, Roman Harrison, um, you know, Omari, uh, what's the name? Omari Thomas expected to kind of take over on the inside. Yeah. Um, you know, Aaron Beasley's there. They got uh Keenan Pilly on the defense. Pretty good group overall, um, at least in the front seven. The offensive line is gonna be a little bit shaky. They do have to replace uh, Jalen Hyatt and and uh, Cedric Tillman. I do like Brew McCoy a lot, but they have some other guys here who could play. Uh, Jabari White uh, is a candidate in the backfield. Jalen Wright's back there as well. Pretty good running back group. Uh, Squirrel White, fun guy. Um, wide receiver's going to step up outside of Brew McCoy. Got to have a, a second and third guy there. If that happens, I think, and, and Milton is competent, uh, they can be a top 15 team. Probably not going to win the SEC or upset Georgia, but – they can beat somebody. I don't know. They'll be a fun team to watch. Yeah. Um, number 14, a team that will have horrible vibes. How about Texas? Uh, mm. are, when do you think the Texas collapse will happen this season? What game are you predicting? Do you have a, do you have a pick? All right. So let's see. We've got uh, Rice at Alabama, Wyoming at Baylor, Kansas at home. I'm feeling, I'm feeling okay through that point. Um, Oklahoma and Red River. At Houston, I'm a little scared of, because I think if you lose at Houston, that is pretty much a season-ender for Texas, and I don't know that they're going to do that, but I don't think it's impossible. Um, yeah. And then uh, probably Kansas State at home on November 4th, right? That's probably the yeah, time getting, if the season breaks that it does. Getting Kansas State and TCU back-to-back, both of which are teams that I think I'm a lot lower on than the, than the consensus in a lot yeah. of these polls, yeah. um, despite that. You drop one of those two games and then have the classic late November Iowa State road game loss that Matt Campbell loves to do. Uh-huh. Uh, you go 10 and two, you you have playoff hype and you end up like being a, you know, uh, you like make an NY six bowl game and get blasted by the second place SEC team. Yeah. That's an awesome season for, for, <laughs> for C Sarkeesian. But the question here is the real battle for Texas. Is that any on the play stuff, on the field stuff? I don't care about any of it, whatever. We know who Texas is. Steve Sarkeesian has been at, like top 20 all-time programs for like a decade as a college football coach and has never gone better than nine and four. Can he get 10 <laughs> wins for the first time ever? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I was literally going to say the, the question for Texas is Steve Sarkeesian against his own football team. That is <laughs> just, can they overcome the fact that they're coached by Steve Sarkeesian? The answer has always been for every team that has that. No, no, no one has ever done it, but <laughs> maybe yeah. these guys are talented enough. I mean, I like Quinn Ewers. I think Quinn's good. I think Xavier Worthy is good. I, I think there's there's if I if I handed this team to basically any other coach in America, I'd say that they're going ten and two. But this motherfucker can't yeah. do that. He doesn't know how. We have to say, five years at Washington, two years at USC, three years. This will be his third year at Texas. His best ever finish 
is a nine and four season in a holiday win bowl and a 20th ranked AP finish at USC. Yeah. That is his best year ever. Yeah. You cannot be less serious as a football program than these guys are. You you can't. They are not taking it seriously. They don't want to win. They don't care. <laughs> it's all for show. All right. Uh, you know who does want to win? The fucking heavyweight champ, dude. Oh, yeah. We are on the number 15, Wisconsin. A team that, unlike Texas, I, I, I am buying more Wisconsin more than their talent than I am just the coaching staff they have here. I know we're Phil Longo haters. I get all that. But, like, it's an improvement from whatever Paul Chris was trying out the last couple of years, right? I mean, we got to admit that at least. Like, it's better than that shit. Yeah. Um, they have one of the best running backs in America with Braylon Allen. Uh, I like Shamari DK, their wide receiver, a good bit. I think he's actually a pretty underrated player. Um, they do have Tanner Mordecai there. Uh, Phil Longo's running the offense. They're going to throw more than usual, but still probably run the ball a good bit with Braylon Allen, who, again, does fucking rock. Um, they uh, It's an offensive line at Wisconsin. We expect it to be good. Defense, they brought in some transfers, pretty stacked. Luke Fick was coaching it. That's going to be a solid defense. And they play the Big Ten West, dude. They don't play anybody. They play Ohio State, yeah. which is it's a loss. But, like, you know, it, besides that, like, it's a pretty easy schedule for this year. And, like, I think seeing them get less than 10 wins – it's pretty hard to imagine, right? They they play at Washington State, which is tricky. Uh, they go to Purdue, but they get, which is Purdue's gonna suck anyway. They get they get Iowa at home. They play Minnesota on the road. Like if you drop at Minnesota and versus Ohio State and go ten and two, that's a great year. Yeah, that's a great year. Yeah, and there's a question here from the board that I think actually ties pretty well into this. From I'm real angry. Uh, what teams are going to vault into the top twenty five? based on a cakewalk early season schedule. Uh, these guys, and also Iowa, for yeah. the same for the same reason. Uh, like you said, they get Washington State on the road early in the season. That's uh, tough in that you have to go to a weird place. Um, but other than right. that... But not I, a hard game. Yeah, other yeah. than that, the home game against Iowa, the home game against Ohio State, and the road game against Minnesota to end the year, that's it. That's it. You got three games. And I, I think that... They are going to be immediately physical enough and good enough on defense under Fickle, who always his teams are always physical and good on defense, that they can win at least one of those three games. And, and I mean, if you win two, you're in the conference championship game in year one. I don't think it's impossible at all to see that. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, I, I mean, it's and like you said, it's probably not the true spirit of the question because they're already going to be in the top 25, but they're going to be like, a, a, I don't know. They're going to be a top 10 when they team. They play Ohio State. When they yeah. play Ohio State. They're going to be undefeated in November as like a top 10 team. Yeah. 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 Like that's, yeah, absolutely. They're going to be, I think. Or October, whatever it's the end of October. Yeah. End so. of October. If they beat Iowa, they're going to be a top 10, maybe a top five team. They will be undefeated going into that Ohio State game. That yeah. would be a big game. That's a home game. That's a home game, the, right? Like that's. It's a huge game. It's a huge game. And also, the easiest bet in America for any team is top five or top 10 Wisconsin playing Ohio State at any point in the season. Yeah. That is a. Uh, they are what like winless, like oh, and three thousand trying to do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it only ever works when they're like not ranked or they're barely ranked. That's the only time that yeah, Wisconsin he, yeah, can get Ohio State is when it's a complete upset. Yeah, by the way, one of my favorite underrated cultural moments, just me as a fan, uh, when Ryan Shazier uh punched out the ball from uh, was that Monty Ball or was yeah. that uh, I think, it, I think, I think it, was it was Monty Ball, yeah, I think it was Monty Ball. They all kind of run together at the goal line, guys, but yeah, they, they all run together. Ball. That yeah. rock, that rule, dude. Yeah, um. Anyway, uh, number 16, another former Ohio State player coaching a Midwest team here. We have uh, Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman uh, checking in. They are actually tied for 16 with our number 17 team. We'll start with them first. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame, I mean, it doesn't look awesome, right? No. <laughs> it doesn't no. look awesome for them. No. They have a really good O-line. They have Sam Hartman, a quarterback. They have Audric Estime, who is a, a solid power back at running back, a traditional, like, 
just Midwest beefy, like Brandon Jacobs looking type dude. Yeah. Um, just jack shit at receiver. They lost their best receiver to go be a gray shirt uh, defensive back at Ohio State. That's telling you how the receiver room looks. <laughs> um, they, they, they lose Michael Meyer at tight end. The passing game, I think they are cooked, even with Sam Hartman coming in. Yeah. I, I don't like Sam Hartman. So defense, I don't know. It's a pretty good defense, Notre Dame defense, but I don't see how they throw the football here. Like you have to win the game playing like Army. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, they brought in Sam Hartman without bringing in Sam Hartman's offense. That's not going to work. you got to bring the whole offense with you. Sam Hartman's not good. I'm sorry, he's not, a good, he's not that good of a quarterback. Yeah, it's like bringing in the triple option and then not hiring an option coach. Why did you do that? It doesn't even make sense. This, is, this guy's not a – you can't just apply him to other offenses. He was playing in a very specific offense. You can't just hire Warren Ruggiero. What are you doing? Why did you, why did you do that? It doesn't make any sense. Just stupid. A, a bunch of very stupid things happening at Notre Dame, but they do have enough four stars and five stars that they will probably be a top 25 team, which is basically what happened last year. Defense got better as the year went on. I think they're probably going to do basically the same thing this year. Um, number 17 is a team that I'm much more interested in than Notre Dame, and that would be Oregon State um, coming off of one of the better seasons in program history. They have a new quarterback in, in DJ Uyunglele, who I think the question is basically going to be just how how much can you protect him? How much can you keep him from having to do too much? Um, he's a good runner. I think that he will fit within that offense, and that offense does make things very easy on its quarterbacks. Um, and then around him, Oregon State has proven itself capable of developing players. I think that that's going to be the story again this year for what should be just a rock-solid, really hard-to-beat team. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the most fun teams in college football, right? Uh, I, I do love what they're doing. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it's, there was a, I think what they lost one of their top linebackers to transfer besides that, like pretty much everybody is back. Um, this is a team that look, they have like one of the best of lines in college football every year. And still no one has hired Jim McWazek away from them, which I just don't understand. He is like a, a top three to five O line coach of college football. The guy rocks, uh, Damian Martinez was the PAC 12 freshman of the year. He had six consecutive 100 yard games at one point. Um, as a true freshman in the Pac-12 and a very competitive Pac-12 last year. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a pretty solid group. I mean, they were the, if I recall correctly, the first ranked defense in the Pac-12 last season as well. And they led the conference in total defense. They do lose their top two uh, corners. Uh, they have to figure that out, but they added some transfers, like you said, the front seven. Um, I don't know, man. It's a really good group. Uh, if they figure out the corners at all, this is going to be an elite defense, a really strong running game. Um, basically figure out how to play on the outside with your receivers and your corners and uh, and you were contending for a Pac-12 title. Uh, this almost feels low to me. I, I don't know if you, how you feel about that. I think I had them at 12. Yeah. Uh, you had them at 16. Yeah. Um, and I, I ended up at 17. Where are the fans at? Did the fans just fuck us? Yeah, I think the fans had them at, uh, let me see, actually. Fans Unbelievable. Had them, yeah, fans fan, had them at 20. What yeah. fucking idiots you guys are. What is your problem? <laughs> yeah, and honestly, um. <laughs> I could justify, I had them 16, like you said. I could I could justify having them a little bit higher. Um, they just, they were at 16 because that was where I put them, but I, I don't feel strongly about that. Um, I think yeah. this is a good team. I, I am a little bit concerned about some of the guys they lost on defense, but it's hard yeah. to it, it's it's hard to bet against their development at this point, which is like what I mentioned earlier. They just keep on churning out really good players, and I don't have any reason to think that that won't be the case again 
this year. Um, and honestly, I, sure. could, I could say a pretty similar thing about the defense of this next team that we're talking about, number yeah. 18, as we drop down to Tier 5. It's Iowa, which has a decent chunk of players to replace defensively. But at this point, I think Phil Parker has earned the benefit of the doubt uh, that he will produce a top 10 defense, essentially. And I think he will again this year. The question for Iowa is always on offense. And um, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, I don't mind this offense. I don't mind the players on this offense. I think Cade McNamara is a totally capable version of what they want at quarterback. Um, I really like Caleb Brown, who they added from Ohio State. I think he's an immediately one of the best receivers they've had in recent memory. Um, the entire offensive line is back. It's basically just, are you willing to do anything? Are you willing to do anything at all that is not just run the ball up the middle three times on every possession and then punt with a, a running with a rushing attack that's not really all that good to begin with. Um, I don't know if they will be, but like if they're ever going to do that, it would be this year because they have a veteran quarterback and a receiver to throw to. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's an Iowa team, right? It's eight straight years of eight wins or more. Uh, it's just kind of what they do <laughs> every year. It's their whole thing. They get to eight wins at, at a bare minimum, which gets you ranked more often than not. Um, like they brought in came back and brought in Eric all who I like a good bit. Um, Caleb Brown's a good, a good player here. They do have to go, to Wisconsin and to Penn State, yeah. which is challenging as well as the the they go to Iowa State and to Nebraska as well in their two rivalry games for the year. So, I mean, they play on the road a good bit. So they've got to get that schedule fixed. That's kind of – I think Iowa's going to be looking forward to the division uh, division realignment or whatever, some of the changes there, because that is a tough tough year to have those all in the same year. But yeah. nonetheless, um, I mean, you win a couple of those games or one, one or two of those games, and, and you're, you basically beat Iowa State and Nebraska, and you're looking at nine or ten wins. Like, you have a good season coming up. Like – you know, just don't let Brian Ferentz fuck it up too bad, and you're fine. Yeah. Um, but uh, Pat, we are on to our number. What is this? 19 team with Kansas State. Yep. Uh, we are officially only about three minutes behind schedule, so we're hey, in a good spot here. Look at that. Um, Kansas State. Uh, they lose some dudes from last year, right? This is the team that they bring back. Uh, is it Will Howard or Walker Howard? Which one do they have? It's Will Howard. Will Howard. Yes, Will Howard. Yeah, it's too many. Come on, we don't need two guys named Howard. Yeah. No need for that. Yeah. Um. They bring back Will Howard. Uh, they they do lose Deuce Vaughn and uh, their edge rusher Felix with the long last name. Uh-huh. Uh, they uh, they are they also lose Julius Brents. A couple like NFL guys come out from this roster, but Chris Kleiman, I think in some ways are in the benefit of the doubt for me as well. Right, this guy's just a hell of a coach. He gets his team to eight wins more often than not. Um, and the and the Big Twelve sucks this year, right? The Big Twelve is so wide open. Texas is the somehow prohibitive favorite despite being coached by Steve Sarkeesian, but like. No one else is is looking that strong. TCU lost everything from their playoff team. Oklahoma has still sucked so far. Yeah. Texas, again, is coached by Steve Sarkeesian. Like, Texas Tech is maybe the fifth team in the race here. Baylor maybe is the sixth team. But, like, there's no one who's a clear threat to win this. And, I, you know, Kansas State probably is the best coach in the league. Yeah, yeah. And, and they have an established quarterback in Will Howard who can – do a lot within that offense. I think fits that offense really well. They do lose yeah. some some serious star power. I mean, as much as anyone in college football, they are losing their their top end stars. But they do yeah. have guys back who I think are are you know good. Who I think are really solid. Obviously Howard on yeah. offense, but also a guy like Daniel. Adding Treshawn Ward there is huge too. Yeah, yeah. Treshawn yeah. Ward is a great fit in that backfield. I think he'll immediately do well. Daniel Green at linebacker, I think is fantastic. I like Kobe Savage yeah. a lot at safety. Um, this is another yeah. defense. Get ins that- also. Back- 
back at the right backer, the right yeah. backer as well. Rather, yeah. they're going to run the ball a lot. Yeah. yeah, Khalid Duke, I think, is pretty good as well. Defensive end. This is a defense, another one of those defenses that just kind of reproduces itself, even when it loses really good players, it just finds new ones. Um, I, I don't think that there's any reason to expect anything less than you know another eight or nine win season at a minimum for Kansas State. That's just what they do. They just churn those seasons out, and I think this is probably a similar one, especially with a a you know, pretty workable non-conference schedule. You get Southeast Missouri uh, and Troy at home, and then at uh, at Missouri, I think, is the non-conference schedule. That's not that's not too hard. You can you can deal with that. Troy is going to be good, but I don't think they're going to be good enough to do that. And Missouri is you know nothing going on. Um, that's that's manageable. I think that it's another good season for Kansas State. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, just good P five G five non-conference games here. Uh, our our number 20 team has one of the best matchups in the country uh-huh. uh, this season. I don't know if you know about this game. We're going to talk about it in a second. Uh, UTSA, Patrick, is our pick here at number 20. Yep. Our top team in the G5, you you were in tears that we're our top team in the G5 season comes in at number 20 in the preseason poll. Um, <laughs> well, but... if it makes you feel any better, I only had them at 19th. There's still, I mean, it's it's, yeah, I... it's not a great year for the G5. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's a bad year. It's a bad year for the G5, we'll be honest. I had them at 21. Uh, our fans had them at 22, so it's not like we're all kind of in the same boat here. Yeah. But I mean, uh, look, if Frank Clark is back right now. Frank Clark, sorry, uh, uh, Frank Harris is yeah. back. Frank Clark is the is the life beater yeah. uh, for Michigan. Uh, they have uh, they have Frank Harris back. They lose to Kari Franklin, but uh, Joshua Cephas and um, uh, Dante Dante Clark is the, is the, uh, Dante Clark. What's the uh, other receiver's I, name? I have I have completely blanked on it. You, it I think it's it doesn't really. I, I have it. I have really it it's uh it's DeCorian Clark. Sorry, DeCorian Clark. Yes. Um, is his name? Uh, I mean they have a, a really strong uh, skill group back uh, against C. McCormick also gone, but I mean overall a strong a strong yeah. skill group at UTSA led by Frank Harris. Um, really competitive team. They have the best coach of the G five, one of the best coaches in the country, and Jeff Trailer. Uh, there is no reason they should not be very competitive to, I, I mean, to have a chance to win the whole league, right? Like when it when like the G fives NY six band, like I yeah. think they're going to be in their first year in the AAC, a super competitive team. Uh, Tulane loses a lot. You know, they, they have a dog shit coach out of Cincinnati, uh, Dana Holgerson, a camp and trust in Houston. Well, but, um, and both of those teams aren't even competing in the AAC, which will be really, Oh helpful. fuck. They're the big 12 <laughs> shit. God damn it. Uh, yeah. You see up is going on. UCF has gone. I mean, like, who's left? Memphis is the, is the biggest threat. Like, yeah, that's the thing is that it is basically just UTSA and Tulane, and Tulane we'll talk about in a minute. But um, and I, I don't think Tulane should be ranked. I know we're going to talk about them in a second here, but yeah, I'm, I think it, it's Paul uh, when you guys have them ranked. Honestly, I think UTSA is going to win the conference. Like, even when you do lose a guy, a, a fantastic player in Jakari Franklin, you mentioned like DeCorian Clark, Joshua Cephas. They have a ton of depth at wide receiver. They have Kavorian Barnes back at running back. They have the entire offensive line is back from last season. And they returned before Franklin left. They returned all but one starter on the offense. Now it's all but two. Um, the defense is still going to be solid. They have Rashad Wisdom back at safety. Um, I think this team just keeps on rolling. I think that they're going to be just like what they have been. Um, and I, I don't really see any reason to to bet against them. Honestly, I think they're probably going to run away with being the best G5 team this year just because they're more talented than everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree, right? It's... uh they rock dude they rock i mean they have a great offense i i just i trust draft taylor implicitly i think it's a great football program and i hope they give him a lifetime contract and they jump to bigger league soon yep um tcu comes at number 21 for us to start of tier six 
Uh, everything is gone. <laughs> there are no pieces back from last year. Uh, well, the defense uh, is largely feels... intact, but that's not really a positive. That's not like great. That's news. not really a positive. Yeah. Unless you're planning a JJ McCarthy, this defense is not really good. Yeah. Um, I, this feels like a legacy ranking to me of like, oh, we should probably rank the team that played the title game. Yeah. Just feels like everyone's kind of <laughs> perspective here. I don't think they are going to do very well at all. I think they're going to have fall off a cliff. Yeah, I don't really like Chandler Morris all that much. He's taking over at quarterback. I, I think he could have a couple things going for him, but there's not a whole lot of talent at receiver. There's not a whole lot of talent at running back. It, it felt like they kind of caught lightning in a bottle last year, and I don't know that they're going to be able to do that again. I do think that Sonny Dykes is is you know going to have them trending in the right direction in general throughout his tenure, but I think he probably didn't really do himself any favors by having what probably is going to be his best ever year at TCU in his first year in a, in a way that's really not replicable. Um, I, I think they're probably going to hover around this range moving forward, and I honestly, I don't even know that this team is going to be 21st. By the time the end of the year comes around, it is sort of just a... Uh, you know, you can't not rank the team that was in the championship game. That feels mean to do, but I, I don't, there's not a whole lot going on here. I don't think I, I, I recall I, correctly. I, I, I did it. I just didn't do it. Yeah. Well, I just didn't rank them. Well, such is life. <laughs> um, number 22, another team that you didn't rank Tulane, uh, which returns Michael Pratt at quarterback and a whole bunch of other guys, but does not return Ty J Spears. They had a, a sort of a dream season last year. One of the best in program history, of course, beat USC in the bowl game. People don't want you to remember that the, the mainstream media does doesn't want you to know that Tulane beat USC in a bowl game, despite the fact that USC had uh, what many are calling the greatest quarterback of all time, apparently. Um, he didn't do him any good in the fucking Cotton Bowl or whatever it was. Uh, but Tulane is, is I think, in a pretty decent spot. Should look pretty similar to last year. The issue is that they won a lot of close games and I think depended on some luck that they probably won't get again this year. Just feels like a decent regression candidate, even in an easier-to-win AAC than last year's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Look, I think, I think Ty J Spears is a huge part of this team. Like maybe that's just shallow thinking, but I think he's such a huge part of this team that it's hard to see them even with Pratt back. And, Listen, and sometimes football well. is about having really good players. And when you lose one, it becomes harder to win games, right? He was really good. He was a really good player. I don't think it's that unfair. Yeah. It's, it's, it happens sometimes, right? Like, especially the G five level. Like if you have a guy who touches the rock, you know, 20, 30 times a game for your offense yeah. and, and you lose him, I don't think you're going to have that guy. I don't think you're going to find that guy on trees, right? Like it happened for Memphis, like three years in a row with running backs. It was crazy, but no other G5 team does that really. Like it never happens in other positions. If you lose a big guy, you're probably going to fall off. I don't see where it comes from. They don't have roster talent the way these other kind of top level programs have, like your Houston's or Cincinnati's in the past or UCF's. Like there's not an obvious next guy. And I think it's a matter of, of finding, I don't know, finding some wins in the schedule. I don't see that any for them. I think they're like my, eighth best g5 team on the on the high end uh-huh. um but whatever they're they're on the list uh i'll say of I, a team it's i'll give them credit okay. for michael pratt who i think is good i think took a step towards i like very, michael pratt a yeah. good player and, and they're in a bad conference i think that they can still win some games because of that and get some some attention because people still think that the aac is what it was which it, it isn't but who cares uh who's next uh yeah that's a great question uh we have Ole miss next um who who just added uh, they just added Zakari Franklin, who we were just talking about being a transfer yep. um, uh, this week. Uh, really, one of the weirdest, I think we talked about the transfer episode already, in case you guys didn't hear it, one of the weirdest fucking transfer 
uh, additions in the country yeah. by adding both Walker Howard of LSU and Spencer Sanders out of Oklahoma State. And then reports come out of spring say both of them are still fairly far behind Jackson Dart as the incumbent starter. Uh-huh. What the fuck is going on? Why maybe, did that maybe, happen? Maybe Jackson Dart was just like being an asshole during the offseason, like blowing off workouts or whatever. And so Lane's like, okay, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to go bring in a bunch of other yeah. guys. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, these guys suck. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, maybe it was just motivation. I don't know. I mean, uh, the Zakari Franklin edition, I think, honestly, was, was a pretty big deal for Ole Miss, right? I think that he was pretty badly needed in a receiver core that didn't have a whole lot else going on. I still don't really like Jackson Dart all that much, but um, I certainly like Quinshawn Judkins, who I think is one of the best running backs in America. I'm very excited to see what he does. I think the offense will continue to be uh, very, very good as yeah. it has been. It's just going to be, you know, the defense. <laughs> the defense yeah, is, basically, has long been the concern here. Right, of course. And I mean, like you said, they lost Willie Keith and Jonathan Mingo at receiver and just brought in the all-conference USA receivers to replace them with uh, Trey Harris at a plot tech. And uh, and Zakari Franklin, so yeah. uh, nice little group there to, to go with Dart and and Quinshawn Judkins for me is a top three running back in America, like one of the best players in the country. Um, you know they have a lot of starts back in the offensive line. The defense, however, I mean it was not good, and then they also brought in Pete Golding, which will probably make it worse. Um, that's not what you want to be doing. You cannot be hiring Pete fucking Golding on your defense. Yeah, bringing in Pete Golding um, is not usually a good way to get better on defense if you're trying to do that. If you're trying no. to get worse, he's a great, you know, bring him in by all means. But if you're trying to get better, I don't think I would recommend Pete Golding. It's not, you know. Yeah. I, I'm going to the no, dentist no. to get more teeth taken out. That's not That's not good. Yeah. That's not what you want. No, it can't be happening. They also lost like three of their five best defensive backs here. Um, they brought in some dudes, but I, I don't know. There's just a fair amount of losses for them. Uh, to replace here. I think we talked about some of their additions, but I think their D-line got better. Uh, they did bring in some dudes. I just don't know if it's enough. Like, Zamari Walton for the Tech is a nice player, but, like, I don't think he's as good as uh, Davison and Venison was. Like, I don't think they have clear, you know, Monty Montgomery at linebacker, right? Like, there are some guys here that are decent players, but there's not any kind of, like, obvious slam dunk dude they brought in to fix some of their biggest holes, which uh, it basically is just a secondary. Yeah. And... I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, I don't trust Pete Golding whatsoever. So I'm going to bet, you know, like another classic third place SEC West finish for Lane Kiffin. There's nothing sweet that, spot between third and fourth. Yeah. There's nothing that Lane Kiffin loves more than going eight and five. And I think they're probably going to go eight and five again this year. It's a classic record for Ole Miss. They're just it's perpetually eight and five. Speaking of a team that honestly, I don't think is actually good enough to go eight and five this year, but you have ranked. And I think that the fan poll has ranked. So we'll talk about them. Number 24, North Carolina. Um, you're going to have to explain this one to me. Cause I think these guys have one player. I, I, I didn't like them last year. They mm-hmm. fell off a cliff at the end of last season. Uh, and I think a, a pretty reflective way of what we had been talking about all year. And they got worse, like much worse. They, they, they replaced Phil Longo with Chip Lindsay, which is somehow downgrading from Phil Longo. Um, they have Drake may, and then they have a whole bunch of dog shit. And now they have worse coaches to work with that dog shit i don't i don't get it yeah that's all true but something you're forgetting here is they have a they have one player in a league that has like every the one except like three teams have zero players yeah um i could make the same case for tulane though i don't what is what is the difference (laughs) well tulane is going to like the difference is if you go nine and three or eight and four in a power five league you get ranked if you do that in an aac league you don't yeah (laughs) like that's the difference i guess is uh i don't know i mean I'm not really, I don't feel strong about it. You got to rank fucking somebody here. Like, yeah. It, yeah, I was picking between, wait, did I even rank them? Are you, 
Did you? Yeah, you did. Oh, I did rank them. Yeah, yeah I ranked them. Yeah, sorry. That's my bad. Okay. I mean, look, like, who else am I going to pick? Fucking Chip Kelly's UCLA without all of its good players? Am I picking, yes. like, Texas Tech? Or <laughs> That's what I did. Yeah, I just picked I just picked UCLA because I like them more. I like their coach personally more than I like North Carolina. <laughs> I mean, I probably should have dropped them. I, they shouldn't should be ranked as high as I have them. I, I Probably, if I read this, you know, now I put them, like, 23rd or something or 22nd. But, um you got to put somebody in the fucking list. I, I don't know. Like one other ACC team is going to end up getting ranked. It's going to be them or Duke or Pitt. Someone's going to find their way to do it. Yeah. Um, I don't care about them. We can move on. Yeah. Uh, number 25, <laughs> number 25 here to close this out. Um, we have a question from Richard Buckeye Nixon. Uh, I was just assuming that Oklahoma had at least tried to do anything to fix their issues, but then looked into it and realized that they have basically not changed a single thing from last year. The whole staff is still there, including Ted Roof, and they seemingly have not gotten any big transfer guys. Really strange situation. So not really a question, more of a statement and a statement that I agree with. I think you've summed up <laughs> Oklahoma correctly. They're number 25 on our board. On our board. Uh, they suck shit. I think they're bad. I think it's a bad football team. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's just kind of hard for me to square because, like, they are a bad football team, it looks like. I don't know. I just think Brent Venables, is it possible he lost it that fast? Like, is the Ohio State sugar huddle thing just the death of Brent Venables in, like, a one-game fashion (laughs) in a way we haven't seen since, like, I don't know. When's the last time that happened? So someone's just whole thing just got ended. That Like, when Ohio State beat Miami in 2002, is the last time that happened? Like, yeah. who else has just got their mythology just punched in the fucking mouth like that? Yeah, and... I, I think I don't even know if it's that necessarily. Is just like I don't know that Brent Venables is anywhere near as charismatic as he thought he was, right? I, I think he was recruiting well to Clemson because his defense was playing really well. I don't think it's because people. But like they're him. still recruiting well. I mean, they're they're going to land a sick class this year. Like their 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 defensive line class is on track to be pretty fantastic. Like it's yeah, going to we'll, be. We'll see who the coach they might is get. for that group. We'll see who gets to reap the benefits of that talent because I don't <laughs> think it's going to be Brett Venables because he's got another shitty team this year. I know what you mean. I don't know, but I mean, they still might end up signing like four or five top one hundred guys to D line. Like they might have like a Texas A and M quality D line class, yeah. right? Like. They're the favorite for... They need it, because this defensive line, this defensive front is bad. It is as bad as I have ever seen an Oklahoma defense, talent-wise. This group does not look good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree. I guess I just... um, They do have enough, like, just stars on the roster in a bad enough league with how shitty the Big 12 is that... I mean, are you going to bet on, like, Baylor's roster or Texas Tech's over theirs right now? I I think there is just something to be said that, like, yeah, they have a decent OC. Brent Venables is at least competent, if not spectacular, like, and the talent they have in a bad league. I don't know. It's it's a who cares? They probably won't get ranked. Fuck yeah. them. My per- um. my personal solution for this was that I just didn't rank any other Big Twelve teams after uh, Kansas State or TCU. I just yeah, got out of there. Yeah. I was done with it. Um, we uh, we also have here a couple unranks that we are not going to go into detail on, but I will mention them. Uh, tied with Oklahoma at 25th with four votes, but they were only on one ballot, so they are left out, is Texas A&M. Uh, behind them, then UCLA, Texas Tech, Troy, Duke, and Boise State rounding out Tier 7. Um, Ryan, any final thoughts on this before we jump into the late-in-the-episode home field ad and then get out of here? <laughs> and you know, the best way to advertise is to tell everyone it's coming, so they, so they will mm-hmm. definitely not skip it. No. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. No, I mean, uh, for me, I, I guess, uh, I guess kind of final thoughts here. I probably should have ranked Troy. I think I messed up by not ranking Troy. I agree. Um, I think 
I probably could have taken off UNC and like I had Duke in the end. You guys probably should have considered Duke more heavily. Huh. I had them as 25th. Um, they have the most competent coaching staff of any team that has a good quarterback in the ACC. Mm-hmm. So that is something worth considering. Um, we should have flipped AM and Oklahoma in our tie <laughs> because <laughs> uh, because AM uh, has more players that are good. I, I think you can talk and... yourself into AM easier than you can talk yourself into Oklahoma. Unfortunately, that's the way that the cookie crumbles. They were on two ballots, and Texas AM was only on yeah. yours. So. What are you gonna Patrick, do? we make up the rules. We can just pick the teams. Yeah. Well, I make up the rules because <laughs> I'm the one who compiled the rankings. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. No, besides that, uh, I mean, you know what? I'm ranking number one and my ballot is, is home field apparel, huh? Mm. That's that's my number one. That's my number one pick. They're, yeah, I'm writing they're going I'm writing them in in every future election. I'm just writing home field apparel. I'm living I'm moving to a swing state and then I'm writing in home field apparel. And everybody's really excited yeah. about that. I'm I'm picking them for the Sugar Bowl because uh, I'm giving them all their money and they have an estranged parasocial relationship with me. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a fun way to take that. That's a fun way to go. Yeah, <laughs> go with that. Yeah, homefieldapparel.com. Um, it is high quality collegiate vintage apparel. They've got all sorts of cool stuff. They have more cool stuff coming seemingly every week. Um, I don't know how they have maintained the pace that they are on with school refreshes. And cool stuff. It's nuts. They are on a, a really a ridiculous run right now. Um, I think incoming this week, I don't even remember the full list. I know Oklahoma's on there and has some really cool stuff. Oh, man. Um, I'm still getting caught up with the the North Carolina schools last year yeah. with, with Clemson and, yeah. and or last week with Wake, Clemson, Wake Forest, NC State, and South Carolina. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's just so yeah. much cool stuff over there. They just released the home field branded hat, which I thought was awesome, um, especially for like, uh, like, like for my use specifically. That would be great for like I'm on the sidelines taking pictures pictures a lot during football games and I don't really want to wear team branded apparel when I'm doing that um, but I do want a hat and so that kind of hat is is ideal um, if you want to check out their stuff go to homefieldapparel.com and if you want to buy it for the first time ever <laughs> if you're if you're you've never done it before use the code meet at midfield for 15% off only for your first yeah. purchase though if you've done it before you can suck an egg um, you should still buy it though because it's good just leave a leave a note in the comments like meet at midfield just say meet at midfield right. um, we We've, we've told you different things before. What actually, is it, the, the it, triangle, the shirt, the shirt factory or whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't remember that bit. It's uh, it's too far, too far. It's the back triangle shirt waist. Yeah. <laughs> triangle shirt waist factory fire, which they love. They, that was one of their favorite athletes we did. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you're listening to this, you stuck through the end of the episode and, and are basically just, I don't know, washing dishes and didn't hit skip 30 seconds at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Um, in the replies to this episode, ever Patrick tweets it out, uh, just tag home field apparel, just yeah. tag them yeah. in the, in the tweet. <laughs> Um, don't, just below our podcast, don't draw sweet. their attention to this. Don't <laughs> they don't need to know what we're doing over here. <laughs> just tag them. Are you trying to lose tag. us money? Are you trying? What are you, what are you doing? Taking uh, food out of my worry, fucking listen. mouth. <laughs> you got you to spend money to make money, Patrick. And I am, <laughs> I'm telling all of you guys to tag Homefield Apparel, or you know what? Just go to a random Homefield Apparel tweet and just tag. Um, tag Patrick Mayhorn somewhere on Homefield Apparel tweets. Uh-huh. Um, just just mention him on their tweets. Improve yeah. their engagements. Yeah, um, that'll be cool. And so that's that's the Pete Golding model: is you got to lose money to make money, and that is <laughs> that is what we follow. That is what we adhere to. Um, yeah. By the way, the final list there just to get it out here really quick. Wednesday this week, Indiana, Kentucky. Uh, Thursday, North Texas. 
Uh, Saturday is Nebraska, Texas, and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a stacked list. Yeah, um, yeah. can't go yeah. wrong. Can't go wrong. Use code Meet at Midfield for 15% off your first purchase. Uh, also, go to meetatmidfield.com and subscribe. We will see you all again later this week for the Mountain West Preview.